All right, you ready to hear the word? I'm going to go fast today and steady. All right, if you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're on a series, we're just a few weeks in, called The Culture of the King. We are called to be culture changers, and that's what Jesus did. But I want to start by reading this powerful prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And I know this is a bit different. I know you're all sitting down and I know you're sitting comfortably ready, but I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word because this is the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to read this with conviction or if you know it, you can just say it out loud. But this is what it says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's applaud the Lord for that. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Our Father who is in heaven, how awesome is your name. And Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to destroy everything that came to destroy us. And when he said it is finished, it was a finished work. The wrath of God was satisfied at Calvary. That's why we're not on a journey to the cross doing things for love, for acceptance, for victory. We're on a journey from the cross doing things, doing things from love, from acceptance, and from a place of victory. It was a finished work. This we were once in darkness, but because of the cross, we're now in the marvelous kingdom of light. And the people who live in the kingdom of light, the Bible calls, are the ecclesia. It's, how, it's the Greek word for church. We are the church. We are the ones who've been called out of darkness and live in the marvelous kingdom of light. Amen? Amen. And so what should we do? We should be a, a light into the world. Ambassadors into the world. We're the salt and the light of the world. And when I read my Bible sometimes, I think this just seems so impossible. Go and make disciples of all nations. Preach the gospel to all creation. Rule, subdue, and take dominion over all the earth. I think, my goodness me. And I, sometimes I can't even handle just the things that are on my plate, my own family, my own job. And yet we're called to this great, amazing commission to fill the whole earth. And Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come right here on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no oppression or depression in heaven. And Jesus taught us to pray, let it be that way here on earth. You know, we are like conduits of heaven right here onto earth to be changers, to be culture changers. And I want to provoke you this morning, church, to believe God for the impossible because without faith, it is impossible. 
impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. And I believe sometimes we can get stuck where we only look at what is possible. But I believe God kicks in when we step over the threshold of saying, I don't understand how this can possibly be. And something amazing happens when we trust God, when we obey God. It says this in Romans chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Abraham was the father of faith. And beyond, against all hope, Abraham believed. Against all hope. Say that with me. Against all hope, Abraham believed. You know, he who has the most hope has the most influence. That's why God's people should be a people that are gleaming with hope. And the reason why is because we are not fixed on our own abilities. We, are not, we haven't fixed our gaze on what we can do in our own efforts. But we've fixed our gaze on the God of the impossible. So our whole life just says, but God. I don't know how, but God. I don't know what's going to happen, but God. I don't know the answer to that, but God. I just choose to trust God. I saw some, uh, some dear friends of ours, who Alan Kim Powers, who have been in the church here since its inception when we were a small uh, group in a coffee shop on the other side of town. And I saw Al earlier today, just at the break, and I said, I'm going to, I said, Al, I'm gonna, I was going I'm I'm to use you as an illustration today. I hope you don't mind. But it was something that Al said when we were sitting at our home a few weeks ago, and he talked about the need for doing the impossible. And he said this line, if, it's, if, I can, if we can do it, what's the point? If it's possible, what's the point? We can do that in our own efforts. We can go to church. We can, you know, many of you here run organizations, your CEOs, your presidents, like Al and Kim have, have done with their life. They've affected the industry that they've been in right to the highest office in the land. But it's so important that in everything that we do, we have to do it by believing the God of the impossible for the impossible. Against all hope, Abraham believed. You know, Abraham was promised that he would be the father of many nations. In fact, his descendants would be as far as more numerous as the sand, the, the grains of sand on the seashore. But watch this. His wife was barren. She was old. And he was impotent. Three strikes against you. You know, when, you, when, we, when the world says you've got three strikes and you're out, God says you've got three strikes and you're in. God says, this is the moment where I'll do, an, do a miracle because there is no possible way that you can get, take glory for this. Therefore, I, the God of the impossible, are going to step in. And you know, after all that time, then God takes, says to, to Abraham, take your son, your only son, and take him to a, to a place I will show you about. And the next day, he arose and he took Isaac, who he'd been praying for for 13 years, and he took him to the mountain. Actually, it was the mountain that would later be Golgotha. And there, can you imagine that he was a teenager? Can you imagine the conversation? Hey, Dad, did you forget something? <laughs> like, what are we going to sacrifice? And I don't have time to, to go into the details. I'm not going to preach on this today. But I just want to say, 
He was willing to do and obey what God told him to do, even though it didn't make any sense. And he raised his hand to sacrifice his son. And God speaks from heaven and he says, Abraham, Abraham, stay your hand. You know, it's really important that we keep listening to God. Because if we just hear God, well, that's what God says, so I'm going to do it. Keep listening. Keep listening. Well, God told me, keep listening. Because if we miss that, the next part, we can make major mistakes. But you know, here's my point, church. After he believed God for the impossible, and after he went through the test of obedience, God said, you are my friend. Abraham was a friend of God because he could trust him. See, when we go through trials and God tests our, God will never tempt us, but he does test our faith. That's what James says. But it's when we go through those tests that God says, now I'm going to trust you. Abraham wasn't perfect. He was a liar. He lied about Sarah being his wife. God told him to not bring Lot, his, his, um, his nephew, with him, and he did. So he was disobedient. He didn't tell the truth. But he was a friend of God. Why? Because he believed God against all hope. Abraham believed. And church, this morning, I want to stir us and provoke us to be a people that believe God for the impossible. Some of you need miracles in this room today. You need relational, financial miracles some of you need um, miracles in your job situation. And we're going to believe today for the God of the impossible. Somebody's already came. I've got a word of knowledge for the end of the meeting. I want to lay hands on the sick at the end of the meeting. We're going to, we're going to, um, Lily's got a testimony at the, for the end of the meeting. Stuff's happening. But church, we have to lift up our gaze and see things from another perspective. Every day, all day. Amen? All right. So important that we realize that. You know, oh, disbelief, unbelief is not acceptable to God. Weakness of faith is, unbelief is not. Unbelief is partnering, I mean, this is a strong word, okay, is partnering with the demonic. It's one thing to say, the disciple says we are weak in our faith, God. Help us in our faith. But to say I don't believe is not acceptable. Abraham believed against all hope. Church, we need to be a people that say, God, I choose to believe you. See, if we realize how much power and authority we have, and we can push away, like, like, we can push away the, the, the voices. We can pu push away the clouds. You know, often, you ever been in a cloud and a funk and you just can't? Often, we just, we've got to realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not people, but principalities of darkness. And we need to be a people of the Spirit that know what's happening. So the sons of Issachar understood the times and they knew just what to do. It's one thing to understand the, the times. It's another to understand the times and know what to do. And church, I believe with all my heart, we're a people that should know what to do in this hour. Yeah. 
See, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like yeast. On a tiny teaspoon is a little teaspoon of yeast, and next to it, if you, if you know how to make bread, is a massive lump of dough. The dough, Jesus is, is calling, is the world. The world, the dough represents the world. The teaspoon of yeast represents the kingdom of God. It's alive, it's powerful, and it only works on contact. But so often, we are scared of the dough. Oh, we don't like the dough. The dough's scary. The dough might affect my yeast. Then you don't, we don't understand how powerful we are in the kingdom because the kingdom has got to come into contact with the dough and work through the whole batch of dough. You know, when King Nebuchadnezzar captured Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he had, I don't believe he had any idea what he was doing because what he was doing is he was pulling the kingdom into the dough and Babylon began to rise. You know, when we come into contact and we don't become, the world doesn't become, we don't become like the world. Jesus says, don't be in the world, but don't be of the world. So often we're of the world in the kingdom. But we need to be of the kingdom in the world, recognizing, yes, the world is a big doughy place. But there's a whole bunch of power in this teaspoon. You can put me in a fire. You can lock me up. You can feed me to the lions. But I'm going to change this city into dough. This city is going to rise. I want to talk about the city this morning. I want to talk about this nation. I want to talk about the globe. Because a kingdom people, I believe, need to think a certain way. Here's three things this morning. And then we're going to pray. There's three things that I believe that are so important for kingdom thinking. Everyone say kingdom thinking. Kingdom people, number one, think globally. Kingdom people, number two, think gloriously. And kingdom people, number three, think generationally. Okay, we're going to touch on those three things, and then we're going to pray. Number one, kingdom people think globally. Everybody say globally. Globally, globally, globally. globally. We've got to think big. Think, we need to think globally and act locally. And I think sometimes, church, and we're going through life, we can forget about the whole world. For God so loved the world. Not just St. Charles. He loves the whole world. Our vision statement is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. That's a big vision. And often we're going to do a better job at this. And we've got our first conference coming up in November where people from the different leaders from the different churches are going to assemble here in St. Charles to talk about what's happening in the world, what's happening in their world. It's exciting. You know, Life Streams, which is the network of churches that have joined together, and this has kind of organically just happened. A lot of it wasn't intentional or deliberate. It just happened. Churches started to come out of this house and find expressions in different locations. And so we're putting together this uh, vision statement, and it's from Psalm 146, verse 4, and it says this, There is a river, Psalm says, whose streams make glad 
the city of our God. So we are Life Church, but Life Streams is the network, and it's simply this. There is a river, we're not the river, but whose streams make glad the city of our God. And what Life Streams does is it's a source of life to people and places and churches around the world. So this is the vision statement. It says this, our vision for life streams is to cultivate a relational network of churches that exists to bring life to people and local churches around the world. Our mission is to be that stream of life, to build with those that share our vision and bless those that carry their own. We're not exclusive. Some people, hey, we're blessed to build with those that carry our vision and bless those that carry their own. Church, but we, my point in this is really, we must be a people that think bigger than ourself. A sower went out to sow. A sower went where? Out. A sower went out. We can't just sow into our own field. We've got to go out from the farmhouse and sow. We need to go. The upper room started in an upper room and went out into the streets. We've got to go out. We've got to get out of here. And so, and so we, I am more convinced and I feel stirred in my spirit. And I'll show you why in a, in a moment. Why I feel a passion, a burning passion for our city and the cities around here in the Fox Valley. I'm going to share that this morning. But first of all, we need to think globally, but we need to act Locally, that's why we're supporting Steve Coco. How many people did he see come to the Lord? Steve, are you here today? 1.2 million people in, 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 no, oh, in Mexico. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Coming out of this house. So good. But I think Steve will be back here shortly. Um, and come and give testimonies of what's happening. But you know what? When, when we we, get, we took those, we, we gave thousands and thousands of dollars to to support uh, Steve to go to a people that we'll never meet until we get to glory. Amen. That's sowing into the next generation. It's sowing and and pouring and investing into a people that we'll never meet. Isn't that doesn't that excite you? You know, so often I just feel so excited about eternity, excited about the age to come. You know, and if we think that way, we think eternally as well. And it causes, imagine the amount of people we're going to meet that our seed touched them because of our sowing of our prayers, the sowing of our, of our oneness, the sowing of our ability and our desire and our willingness to go. The ability to sow financial seed is so important. All right, number two, glorious. Everyone say glorious. So a kingdom people will think globally, number one. And number two, they'll think gloriously. You know, I looked up the word glory, and it talks about victory and beauty and awesomeness and brilliance and radiance. There's something about glory. And the Bible says it in, in, uh, in Corinthians chapter 3, it says, We with unveiled faces now reflect his glory. And we've looked at this many times before, but his glory, church, is his nature. It's what he is like. When Moses said, show me your glory, God, what he saw was his nature. And so when we reflect God's glory, we are reflecting 
his nature. When we are kind to each other and kind to people that don't know the Lord, we're reflecting his glory. When we are forgiving, when we are generous, when we show acceptance, we are showing what he is like. So a kingdom people are a glorious people. I believe the church should be glorious. The church should be victorious. The church should be radiant and brilliant. The church should be kind. The church should be loving. The church should be gentle. The church should be powerful. The church would know their authority. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hmm. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited. Okay. Number three. Are you awake? Are you alive, church? All right. Okay, number three. And the uh, kingdom people think, number three, generationally. Number one, they, they think globally. Number two, they think gloriously. And number three, they think generationally. We are living to sow into a generation of people that we will never meet. You know, the kids are here today. The youth are in today. It was just awesome. But... You know, someone asked one time, well, how is the youth ministry today? How is it? And the response was, ask me in 20 years. See, when we're putting seed into the next generation, when we're putting God's word into the next generation, we may not see the fulfillment of that for years to come. Amen. Amen. We've got to think generationally. We've got to think about sowing. We've got to think about not what, the, what we're going to leave. See, we've got to live as if Jesus will come back tonight, but plan for him to come back for our children's 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 children. A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's generational thinking. By the way, I just want to say this. It's not, I don't believe it's just what we leave to our children, but it's what we leave in our children. Because if, you, if it's just about money and finances, then, and we, we, haven't, we haven't put good stuff into our kids, then they'll squander it anyway. <laughs> but it's really important what we put into our kids. What we leave in them is as or more important as what we leave to them. Amen. Okay. Can I just honor for a moment our kids' workers? Can you just put your hand up if you work with um, the children? Can you put your hand up? Wonder, can you stand up? We just want to honor you. If you've been involved in our kids' work, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Who, um, what about uh, youth workers? Anybody here been working with our youth? Then any work with the youth. Can you stand up, youth workers? Could you, do you mind standing? Sarah, can you stand? Can you stand, youth workers? <laughs> Thank you. There's so many people in this house that we could spend all day honoring and just thanking. Um, and we need to do that more. Um, you know, in the feeding of the 5,000, there was so many miracles that happened there. I believe the first was the hunger. The first key to the feeding of the 5,000 is that people would wait all day because they were just so hungry. And church, when we're hungry, God does a miracle. When we're hungry, we see the miraculous. We see the breakthrough of the impossible. 
But the next thing that happened is there was an administration where Jesus said, have the people sit down in groups of 50 on the green grass. I'm saying that just because saying this is in the season that we're going into administration is hunger and administration are going to be really important for the breakthrough of the supernatural. Did you get that? Hunger and administration are going to be really important for breakthrough for the next season into the supernatural. Into the miracles that I believe God wants with all of his heart to see outpoured into this house. And so the reason I'm saying it in the context of Val is because many of you may know that um, Val, um, a few months ago, um, decided to come to the, uh, that a season had come to the end of leading our youth. And she's done a, an amazing job, as you've just seen, in pouring into um, our, the next generation. And so she came to that decision on her own. But something, and you know, and right now, John and Jeremy and I are working hard. We spent a day this week and last week just looking and waiting before the Lord to see who, what are the people that need to be in the right seat for this next season? Looking at department heads, heads of department. We call them HODs. Everyone say HODs. HODs are coming to this church. In fact, they're coming from this church. But heads of departments that can sit in different seats. And so we're praying through that right now. Some people, we're starting to talk about this new season of getting ready for this next season and getting ready for the miracle of multiplication. And so we're spending time honing on that. I'm spending a lot of time now just focusing in on the next season of this church. So, but I felt this week, as we turn over the season and look at youth and young people in our city and, and how we're going to reach them, before we turn the page, it's really important that we honor the last chapter before we enter the new chapter. It, how you exit one season will determine how you enter the next season. And so again... Val, I just want to say to you, thank you again for that season. Thank you for the chapter. And although the page is turned, um, I believe that you're going to see the fruit, massive fruit of the seed that you've put in. I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to pray. There's just a few things I want to do, and I want to hone in on this third point on generations. Because after Val came to that decision, God has begun to speak from heaven. And I'll set the scene, and then I'm going to pay you, play you a video clip, which is very personal to me, but I just felt in this week I'm going to share it with you as a church. Um, and it's about God speaking about the next generation in this city. Okay, so here you hear this. After Val made that decision, sometime later, God spoke. And then he spoke again to somebody else in this church that's going to come up and share what God has spoken to them. And you're going to, st- and I just, what excites me is God speaks. <laughs> God speaks today. God cares about us. And you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you just had, you've got so many prophetic words you just don't really want anymore. <laughs> it's like, Lord, I, I really want, maybe the word that would be the key to all these other words would be helpful. But you've just got so many words. And uh, I was at a conference with Fee. And uh, I was kind of feeling that way. God, I need to hear from you. And we were at a a conference in Redding, California. And just to set the scene, because I'm going to play the clip. um, It was an invitation-only conference. 
There's about eight or nine hundred uh, senior pastors from around the world. And I'd been sitting at the back, and I got a text from someone on the Bethel staff saying, um, Dan and Fee, um, we've honored you by, us, by putting you on the very front row. It would really honor us if you would sit there. And we wanted to be with the other church leaders and with our, with our friends, so we hadn't sat at the front. But on this particular night, we decided we'd go and sit at the front in our reserved assigned seating, which was very special, more to them than it was to us, but we felt very honored. And I'm sitting there, and they, the message that the speaker was speaking that night, it was a preacher by the name of Havilah Cunnington. Many of you may have heard of her. And she was preaching this message on capacity. Now, I love capacity. I love getting a lot of things done. I like having a big measure. Let's do this. And sometimes it's a little crazy, but, but let's take on a little bit more. <laughs> That's fun for me. And she's speaking on capacity and growing your capacity. And I'm like, for the first time ever, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can take on any more. <laughs> uh, but I'm willing to. And I'm sitting there and the Holy Ghost said, son, sit up. I'm going to speak to you. And so I sat up in my chair and I leaned forward and suddenly this woman stopped preaching and this is what happened. Can you turn the lights, turn the volume up and play this clip? From, from England? Is there somebody from England lights. here? Is, okay. Is it, I feel like it was a man. Who is that? Is there a guy named Dan? Dan from England? Is that you? Okay, stand for a minute. That, I wrote that down literally here. Uh, Dan, the Lord says you have, there's a youth movement that's, uh, that's uh, emerging from you. And there's a youth community that's coming and it's countercultural and it's underground and it's coming your way. And the Lord says, you're a man that believes big. You are a dreamer. You always have been. In fact, you're somebody that people go, really, Dan, really? And you're like, yes, I can see it. God's going to do it. And the Lord says, you, the reason you haven't seen it yet is because they're not even saved yet. This community isn't even saved yet. They're, they're going to be coming. And I feel like there are two services. There's going to be like a traditional and there's going to be like a youth one. And God said there's going to be almost like a, I, I saw like a, a warehouse where like music was going and it was late at night and there was like a, a movement coming in. The Lord says, get ready, Dan, because there's really going to be a father heart on you to father the next generation and to build them up. And the Lord says, you're going to be shocked because you're going to think, I'm not that cool. Like, how can this happen? But the Lord, I'm sorry. That was but the Lord says, the Lord says, it's your father's heart that's going to draw them. And you're going to speak in a father tone and they're going to trust you immediately because of your voice. And the Lord wants you to know that there's been something, there was something that happened a, a couple years ago that took the wind out of your sail. I don't know what that was, but it, it took your confidence. And, and there was something that happened that shook you. And the Lord said, I'm shoring up that foundation and you doesn't, all that fear and that worry is going away. And you're going to feel like the Lord is putting a steel bar within you and you're going to stand firm and you're going to know, Dan, you're going to laugh at your enemies you're gonna laugh at your enemies it's just beginning over your life and i prophesy that over you are you here with anybody faith fee all right fee the lord says over you that you are you are going to be his rear guard 
And the Lord says, you're going to see when arrows are coming, you're going to say no. And you're going to, I saw you pulling arrows out of his back and you were like, no, 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 no. And you were literally breaking them and you were going, no, we are not even going to accept this as real. We're not even going to, we're not even going to validate this. And I saw you literally canceling things that things were said, things that were done that you have wondered about. The Lord says, you get in there and you clean house. You are powerful. And you say, no, we're not even going to entertain this at all. This is isn't happening. No. And I saw you getting more, more and more bold. And I just prophesy that over you. There's a faith coming on you and the faith that can see further than you've ever seen. And this is uh, apart from what you've ever had. There's been a t- intimidation because of your, the way you were raised, but the Lord says that's going away. There's a new confidence coming on you. There's a way that you're going to be able to see where God's taking you. And your husband's going to say, who did I marry? Cause I did not marry this woman. And I just prophesy that over you and I say, let it come forth. Let it come forth in Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name. I just speak that over your life right now. Let it be unlocked like an unlocking over both of them right now. There's an anointing on their lives. There's an anointing on their lives. There's also an industry. I don't know what the industry is, but there's some industry anointing on you to break into the creative industry. I don't know what that is, but there's something happening in that world. So I just say yes and amen to that as well. Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm almost out of time, but I will say, I I just feel an anointing in the room right now for a great breakthrough. I feel like there are some of you right now where you're saying, Havilah, the capacity message is for me. Like, I know it's for me. I know God has been nudging me and nudging me and nudging me about writing the book, about preparing. All righty. Guys, thanks. All right. Thanks for listening. Guys, I'll just say this. I wouldn't normally play a prophetic word that was about me. Um, and I struggled to do it for a while. But I felt in this whole thing of generations and being really transparent about uh, what I feel God is saying, not only to me, but what I'm saying, what he's saying over this house, as you'll hear further in a minute. Uh, I just felt I just want to just play it so you can hear it all. And there were so many keys in there. Um, one being called out by name and where you're from, you know, um, <laughs> But I think there was other keys. Like it was two years ago that we were getting ready to go to England uh, for three months, for a three, actually almost a four-month stint. And she used the word something took the wind out of your sails and knocked your confidence. And what the, it was that decision to do that when you, I, we were absolutely convinced to this day that it was God to do that. But there was some tremendous cost with that. And it really did knock my confidence in many ways. But um, to come back and see... Uh, things that had been built and um, things weren't going in quite as well as what you'd imagine and what you'd thought. So, um, so church, I want you to play. I want you to hear that. But this is why I want you to know. I came back. I take the word of God very seriously. When the prof- there's a prophetic voice um, that's so clear, I take it extremely seriously. Paul says to Timothy in one of his letters, Timothy, I listen to this. He says, "I give you these instructions." in accordance to the prophetic word spoken over you. I give you these instructions in accordance to the prophetic word spoken over you. So when we get instruction, they should be instructions based on the prophetic word that God has spoken to us. That's why we need to know what God is saying and what God has said over our life. But what that word did is it's on so many levels, both personally, locally, and globally, it, it realigned a lot of my thinking. 
And I believe the word apart from the bit about not being cool. <laughs> we, 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 uh, we prophesy in part, you know. <laughs> but I got home, church, and, and I, I just had, I was just, it was like, I was like, man, I, what do I do with this word? And then I got um, uh, a call um, from a man in the church named Johnny. And Johnny said, I've got to meet up with you. I've got to meet up with you. I've, there's something burning in my heart. And so I want you to hear again, not one word from heaven about this city and about the youth, but I want you to listen carefully to the second word that's come from heaven about the youth. Johnny, come on up here, buddy. Thank you. Hello. What's so fun about this whole thing is that what God told me, I didn't know anything about that. So uh, when Mel and I were married, the day that we were married, somebody prophesied over us. We had a few that day. And one of the ones that we had was that we would be surrounded by children. And we really are. We have four kids. And in our neighborhood, the kids all come to our house. And we are surrounded by kids. Um, But in the early years of our marriage, we did youth ministry, and we served the church, and um, we felt passionate about kids, passionate about youth, and um, it grew in me to the point that I really wanted a full-time job being a youth person, a pastor, if you will, and um, I chased this dream for a lot of years, and I really pushed on this door hard. (laughs) In the churches where we served at and where we were at, I actually was asking for this position, And I was pushing really, really hard for this position because I wanted it so badly. I felt like following my father's footsteps in ministry at that time in my life, I viewed that as what it meant to be successful. And I felt that it is something that I had to do. So I was unhappy in my life because I wasn't doing what I felt made me feel successful and happy. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, I let it go. And I said, okay. I gave up on it. And I went harder into my career. And I've become very successful in my career. I run a business um, that I will own one day that I started at the very, very bottom, at the lowest pay and at the lowest position. And now I manage and run this business. I am so full and happy. I am totally successful. And I love my life. We searched, Mel and I, um, sorry, I'm going to just take a minute here, take a little time. We searched for 10 years for this church and this community. For 10 years, we visited churches. We visited, we were looking for a house. We were looking for a home. We were looking for a family. We were looking for a community, and we couldn't find it. And it, and it was hard because we wanted to be a part of something, and we searched, and it wasn't there. So we found this house, which was a foreclosure, and we never ever could have afforded the house that we purchased. It is an absolute miracle. We were one of nine people bidding on the house, and we got to put in one offer and one offer only. We didn't get to negotiate. We didn't get to talk about it. We got to give one offer. We gave that one offer, and they accepted it, and we got the house. But the day that we found this house, we said, let's go. We'd never been to St. Charles in our lives. 
So we said, let's go and see the town. So we asked some kid on the side of the road, how do we get to St. Charles? We drove down to St. Charles, we found it. Wow, this is beautiful, amazing. It was all the lights were on and we saw the river and we saw this church, we saw Life Church and it had a sign and it said healing rooms and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wow, we got to visit this church. So we went home and told my parents about it. And he said, oh, I think one of the Reynolds boys pastors a church in St. Charles. Well, Dan and I were friends when we were 17, 16. I had no idea he was in the United States. I didn't even know he was here. And he was my old friend. So we came that Sunday and the rest is history. Um, so, but when we came here, I, I came with my own disappointment and hurt and things that I had gone through personally in church. And I did not want to be involved in anything. I had no desire to do anything. And for a year, I did nothing. I didn't even play the drums. I did nothing. And then finally, I you know, started to get healed, get myself sorted out. So I said, okay, it's time for me to serve a bit and get involved. So I got involved with the drums a bit, got involved with the youth a little bit, and other areas of the church. Okay, so that's where I'm at. Very successful in my job. No desire to do any type of leadership or position in church. None whatsoever. So Mel and I were in the kitchen. And we were looking at something or whatever. There was a scheduling. And she said, oh, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to continue Epic for a season um, because the leaders are going to be traveling and people are going to be out. And all of a sudden, something stirred in me. And I felt, oh, well, that's, that's not okay. We can't just abandon our youth because there's nobody to teach them. So I said, fine, okay, I'll teach them. So then I said, well, maybe I can do more than just the Epic. Maybe I can be involved in, in more. So all of a sudden, this passion came upon me, and um, it was very powerful, and I cried for like two days, and I kept waking up. And so what happened was, is I started to ask the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do? And he gave me a vision. And when he gave me a vision, I said, okay, I get the vision. How am I supposed to do this? And part of what I felt God show me was that... Um, he gave me this large vision. I'll, I'll share a bit of it in a second. But I asked him for keys because initially my response was, well, I'll just go read a Ron Luce book or I'll go visit some other churches or I'll figure out a way how I can do this. But I felt like God say to me, no, don't ask somebody else how you should do it. Ask me how you should do it. And I'm going to tell you what to do. So I believe that what we just witnessed there, God has given me keys because he's kind and because he loves his kids and he loves his church and he's given me some keys and so um when i shared with jeremy it was a, a day or maybe two days after i received this word from the lord i had not seen this video and knew nothing about this video i poured my heart out to him for about two hours and then later i got the opportunity to speak to dan about it and what god showed me was um that the youth is a huge movement. I saw, I have a smaller vision for now and a larger vision for later. But the larger vision for later was like, like a youth center with a huge building and loud music going and different sections set up because I felt like what the Lord has told me is that we are to create something that everyone that comes to feels welcome and everyone that comes to can find something to do. So I felt like, okay, there's maybe an art section for the kid that wants to, to color or paint or draw and there's a gaming section and maybe there's a skateboard section and maybe there's a drum section and, and so God, you know, there's a climbing wall. I see a climbing wall and there's all these things and I see this massive building with all these kids coming to any time of day 
and just doing these things. But then the key to their experience of God was the presence of God. And it wasn't so much about what we would say, more so that it would be what we would do. And so we would speak less and do more. So as I started to hear more from God, I started to write in this little book. And I had this little book and he started to give me things. And um, music was the largest of the thing about it that I felt the, the biggest um, the biggest presence was on music. Music's going to be a huge part of this thing. Um, and I felt like that there would be an excitement and a power that also that it wasn't for our kids. So from the get-go, I felt, which completely ties with what was set up there, was that we're after people and kids that aren't saved yet. And yeah. we want to reach kids that don't need Jesus yet. And how are we going to reach kids that don't know Jesus? How can we reach them if all we do is preach? I feel like we need to have a place where kids that don't know Jesus can come to and feel excited and happy and have fun. But that there would be love there and that there would be the opportunity when there is the opportunity that we then give the gospel that these kids would be saved or we would perform miracles and they would see it and then these kids would be saved but then that their lives would be changed now this kid goes home to its parent and it's had a life-changing experience with God what do you think that's going to do to the parents what is going on here so now they're going to want to come and see and so this is a small piece of this what I just want to say is that I didn't ask for this I did not want this. I was not looking for this. And I, I am actually asking God, how can you help me carry this? And I believe the answer is team. I believe we need, we need a village of people. We need to be a community that can lean on one another and we can help each other because we can't just do it by ourselves. We need an atmosphere. We need to cultivate a family here that is a village. So the kids' ministry needs help. Then we see a need, and we're going to step up. We're going to fill it. The worship team needs whatever. Whatever needs whatever. We see that, and we step up. But we play a part, and we work together. So that's a piece. But just know that. So I, I want to say, too, you know, if you want to come up, I, I did a couple things. I, I want to prophesy over you. Um, but if you have a dream, and you've let it go, and you've lost it, I want to pray for you. And if you don't have a dream, you need to get a dream. I want to pray for you. And we need to take off the limitations on our mind about what the kingdom of God looks like. And we need to listen to what he's showing us. And now we need to act on what he's told us to do. So. Amen. Isn't that good? <laughs> so good. So church, we're going to do it. We're going to obey the word of the Lord. We're going to take this word and we're going to run with it. We're going to hold it before the Lord and say, God, what do you want us to do? You know, and if it's God's vision, then he'll bring the provision. He will provide everything that we need to make this happen. Johnny works a full-time job. As he said, he, he runs a company. He's not going to stop running that company. He's not coming on staff to be paid. No, he's going to do this from passion. And we, he's going to need a team. And I believe, church, we need to this morning to say yes to God and say, we don't fully know what it looks like. We don't know what all the details mean, but God, we're going to go for it. So I just want to say this, you know, Val, it, you know, it, um, Moses brought the people out. Joshua took the people in. 
Sometimes it takes one person to bring people out of something and another person to take them in. And Johnny, as Val's taken us out of something, Johnny's going to take us into something. And I just want you to know, from me, I am going to, I'm going to be there right with him. I'm going to be there to support him and we're going to lead this thing and see God shake this city. You know, I, I already went to other pastors um, in the city who are like-minded like us. And we sat there together and it's like, wow, we, what are we going to do with this word? Let's do this together. So there's something happening. There's something stirring in this city. Amen. So listen, so a kingdom people think globally, they think gloriously, and they think generationally. We've got to think generationally. We've got to think, we've got to go out into the streets. A sower went out to sow. We're going to go out. We're going to go and hit the high schools. We're going to touch kids. We're going to create an environment, you know, where, where they can come and encounter the living God. Amen.